The scripture for our communion meditation today is out of the book of Colossians, chapter 2. And we will be reading verses 13 through 15. And as you turn there, I'd ask that you please stand in recognition of the authority of God's Word. Colossians 2, 13 through 15. This is the Word of God. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive, alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you and praise you for the sole sufficiency of the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you for sending him into the world. I thank you that there is nothing else that we can do or trust in other than him. I pray that you would open our minds, open our hearts to uh, this, your word, now. Uh, That you would draw hearts to you and love of you for the work that you have done. And that you would uh, draw hearts away from ourselves and any self-reliance we may still cling to. I ask in the strong name of Jesus, amen. Well, in this brief passage, I see beautifully articulated three key aspects of the gospel of Christ. The first aspect I see articulated is our personal salvation. That is what our standing is before God, with and without Christ. Here is Christ plainly seen as Savior. The second aspect of the gospel that I see articulated in this passage is the destruction of Christ's and our enemies. Here is Christ plainly seen as conquering king. Finally, I see here articulated the preeminent element of the gospel, and that is the sole sufficiency of the cross of Christ. Here is Christ plainly seen as the only means of our salvation. Now, because we are jumping in the middle of the book, as it were, let us spend just a moment orienting ourselves in Colossians. Uh, Throughout this book, Paul is combating a heretical mix with the true gospel, um, a sort of mixture of Jewish and pagan ceremonial law-keeping. And in doing so, Paul overwhelmingly emphasizes the sole sufficiency of the cross of Christ for salvation. Um, For instance, in chapter 1 of Colossians, In verses 19 through 22, we read this. For it pleased the Father that in him that is Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now he has reconciled. He is reconciled in the body of his, of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Praise God. 
Now this, I believe, is the central message of the book. That all parts of our salvation rest in Christ, in Christ alone. And that in Him only are we reconciled to God the Father and made acceptable to Him. Now with this central theme in mind, um, let us turn back, turn our attention back to our passage. In chapter 2, verse 13, we read this, And you being dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now this verse teaches us that without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in law, and we are dead in state. We are dead in state in that there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. We are completely helpless without God making us alive. We are dead in law because without Christ, we are under the curse of the law. Galatians 3 teaches us that, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now, have we continued in all things that is written in the book of the law to do them? I think not. We have trespassed the law, and these trespasses carry with them a death sentence, eternal separation from God, and damnation in hell. Now, what do you say when you see a man on death row? There goes a dead man walking. Without Christ, we stand before God as condemned men, dead men walking. John 3 teaches us that he who does not believe is condemned already. And to understand the gospel, we must understand that without Christ, we are condemned. But the good news of the gospel is that God has made us alive. He has made us alive by virtue of forgiving our trespasses. The pardon of the crime is the life of the criminal. In Christ, God has removed from us the death sentence the law carries. When we trust Christ and Christ alone for our salvation, we are united together with him such that just as surely as Christ's physical body was dead and buried, so are our sins buried with him in the tomb. Praise God. Just as surely as he rose on the third day, so we are risen with him and given new life. God has made us alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all trespasses. Praise his holy name. Notice also when we are made alive with Christ. In the uncircumcision of our flesh. That is, while we Gentiles were outside the ceremonial law. Remember here the larger picture of Colossians, proclaiming the sole sufficiency of the cross of Christ. If we were made alive in Christ, forgiven our trespasses, and made acceptable to God while we were yet outside the ceremonial law, why then, once saved, would we wish to begin keeping it? As if it could do anything to change our standing in the eyes of God. No, let us rather look to Christ for our sole sufficiency. Let us remember what Galatians 3 says of the law, that it was a tutor designed to lead us to Christ. The Old Testament sacrificial, sacrificial system served as a daily reminder. It's not its only purpose, but it did serve as a daily reminder of our guilt before God and our need of a Redeemer. 
the Old Testament purity laws, not its only purpose, but they did serve to teach us that we were, are defiled by our sin, that we're made unclean by our sin, and therefore we cannot stand in the presence of a holy God. For many, many years, the curtain hung between the Holy of Holies and the people of God, reminding us that we, God is holy and we are not, that we cannot come into our, his presence because of our sin. The ceremonial law was a continual reminder that we are not acceptable in God's sight because of our sin. But praise God that in Christ, he has wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was contrary to us, having nailed it to the cross. The shadow of things to come has passed away, and the fullness of Christ is here. And to say anything else is to deny the sole sufficiency of the cross of Christ, the sole sufficiency of his life and death. Greg Monson says this, Christ, by his perfect life, was the only one who did not deserve to die. By being our substitutionary sacrifice, Christ nailed our death certificate to his cross. And that is the good news of the gospel. And as glorious as that is, the good news doesn't end there. See, on the Christ, Christ not only on the cross, Christ not only fully and finally redeemed us to God as our Savior, he also disarmed and destroyed all his and our enemies as our conquering king. Praise God. Matthew Henry writes this Let us turn aside and see this great sight. The Redeemer conquered by dying. See his crown of thorns turned into a crown of laurels. He spoiled them, broke the devil's power, conquered and disabled them, and made a show of them openly, exposing them to public shame, making a show of them to angels and men. Never had the devil's kingdom such a mortal blow been given it as was given by the Lord Jesus. He tied them to his chariot wheels and rode forth conquering and to conquer, triumphing over them in it. And praise God that we serve both a Savior and a conquering King. As we prepare to hear a sermon from Elder Duff on the Great Commission, a sermon of our Savior, or the commission of our Savior, and the commission from our King, let us remember these glorious truths of the good news of the kingdom. Christ has reconciled us to the Father, and the handwriting of ordinances that was contrary to us has been nailed to his cross. We have been forgiven once and for all. Hallelujah. Christ has triumphed over our enemies, publicly putting them to shame, and the accuser has no power over us. And the kingdom will continue victorious. As we prepare to observe the table, let us remember that through the cross of Christ, we have been made acceptable in the sight of God. We sinners, by being washed in Christ's blood, are reconciled to God such that we can approach Him in a meal of fellowship. 
Let us remember that we can sit and eat in the presence of our enemies, knowing that they have been defeated by our King. And finally, let us remember that it is the cross of Christ, and it is only the cross of Christ, that is perfect and sufficient for these things. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for obeying the Father, humbling yourself, coming to earth as a man, doing what we could not, perfectly keeping the law, taking our guilt and shame and the punishment we deserve on the cross, and nailing our death sentence to it. Thank you for publicly spoiling your enemies and our enemies such that we have fellowship with you and such that we need not fear men nor devil nor anything else. Help us to love you for this thing and help us to have fellowship with you in it now as we come uh, to your communion meal. I ask in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.